Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge-On Simmons. Welcome into episode 170. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. We're back a few days after, I guess only a couple days after, uh, UCF nearly upsetting Oklahoma. Christian, how are you? Where's your Where is your mind at right now? My mind's okay. I uh, yeah. I listened I listened back to my little rant from the last podcast, and it was a little over the top. I uh, it, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't my finest moment on the podcast, so that's cool. But I was I was a little angry at the time. As, you, as you can be, as I can be. I, I, I <laughs> some people have told me that before that I tend to get a little worked up about small things. I don't I don't know. I, I haven't seen any evidence of, the, of this in my life, but it is a thing people <laughs> say. So yeah, I'm feeling fine. I um we've I've definitely it's almost weird. Like I was almost going to say I've come down off the high of the loss, which is like not a thing you can usually say about a UCF game. But I definitely have sort of transitioned from like, hey, UCF did way better than I was anticipating, and that's cool. To like, they could totally just go lose to West Virginia this week, and I'd be in shambles. Yeah. So that's where of I'm at. Uh, before we get to all that, before we get to, we have two five star review questions that we need to get to we today. Both of them are timely, and they're going to lose their timeliness if we don't get to them. Um, UCF opening as six point favorites over West Virginia. Thoughts? Uh, okay, so I'm a little confused. Maybe I'm just completely out of touch with reality. I was expecting them to be favored, and I'm surprised. I was going to be favored, not by six. Is six some giant margin? That's not even a touchdown. It is a touchdown. No, well. It is. <laughs> it's a touchdown. If it's a touchdown, if Daniel Obarski was still UCF's kicker, I can tell it's you that. Touchdown. Much. If that's if we're not getting a two point conversion, I was going to get two. Oh point my conversion god! Joke. Please don't. Um, no, um, but I don't know. It's like you, I would think like two points, two and a half points, three points maybe because they're at home. But six points seems like more than I was expecting. I, I think know. Vegas just set a line for UCF to be plus twenty, and then UCF lost on a two point conversion. So I think they're maybe just angry now, and they're like, <laughs> we're just gonna, we're just gonna make. It's actually, but this is something I have to remind people with the gambling stuff is like, whenever you see a line, it's that's not a prediction. That's Vegas wanting to set a line that they will make money off of, and that's a oh, tough yeah. line to pick. So I, I like, I don't know what I would. I, that's a tough one because I, I as of now, I think UCF's gonna win, but I can also see them winning by like three or four. I don't, I don't really foresee UCF coming out here and just blowing out West Virginia so it's interesting it was in this exact moment that I realized I don't have a score prediction for this podcast <laughs> that we're going to get to later on um so I'll think of one on the way but nice two five-star review questions um oh I meant to write down the names but I didn't um let's get to the first one where it was can you break down what was the key factor in each of the four losses i believe this is the one that was a makeup right so this, this was, was from night hand luke yeah. who um he asked uh, i don't remember what his question was and i don't remember what the news was it was a but... recruiting thing i think Mm, I think it was, was Jalen uh, Hayward committing. I think it was Jalen Hayward committing that I just I don't know how I remember that being the excellent podcast host I am. I just wanted us to get through the review question so we could talk yeah. about it. So I just like blazed through it and didn't give any kind of real answer. It basically was telling you like, hey, shut up, like stop it, let's like, let's talk about Jalen Hayward. So <laughs> yeah. I promised him that he would get a makeup question, and the the time for the makeup question is now. So yeah, that's so my hand break, for being patient. Can you break down what was the key factor in each of the four losses? Coaching, talent, execution, etc. Game by game, what was the biggest issue? And has that issue since been resolved? If not, how does it get resolved? So I guess like the makeup question here is about six different questions, but we'll get to all of them. <laughs> As I'm reading that, I'm like, wait a minute, that's a lot of question marks. That's basically a um, podcast. Like we could do a full 45 <laughs> minute podcast on that question. Let's try not to. Though. Yeah. Um, so I guess what we're going to go game by game. The first game they lost was uh, Kansas State. I couldn't stop the run, I think. I, I guess that would probably that would have been the biggest issue, right? 
I just wrote penalties. For, I just wrote for Kansas State that like Kansas State was Kansas just State was better. better. I, I yeah. I feel like we do that as like media and podcasters or whatever and it's a thing for every team is i realize we get a little too caught up in like well ucf could have done this or they could that's like sometimes the other team is just better like kansas state was better yeah. than ucf that's pretty much that's that's what happened in that game they um, won the big 12 last year they've been very good this year baylor <laughs> what happened there uh, a million different things probably i don't even really know if we have we, we did cover this already but i mean i think my like official answer for what happened at baylor is god decided he hates ucf like i don't know what else to describe for that i i i mean like they took their foot off the pedal right like if you wanted to try to chalk it up to like one single thing i think it's that ucf was had a huge lead and you could tell we thought about the time you can tell from their body language on the sideline you could tell from the way they were playing on the field that they were they weren't checked out i don't think you're ever checked out in a football game as a player but it it was they weren't playing with the ferocity we saw them playing with against Oklahoma the whole game because you're up 35-7. It's hard to give it everything on every play when you're up 35-7 and Baylor never quit. And then things just continue to spiral. Once like they got a little bit back in, it was like, okay, this is always going to happen. I think by the end of that, I was like, yeah, this once, once they got right, I was thinking it was the fumble recovery. We talked about it at the time. Yeah. Like, Phone recovery happened. And I was like, yeah, I don't think UCF's going to rebound from this. Weird, weird blown scary. leads take fluky stuff. And that was the fluke of that game was that like, I literally out loud in the press box at the time was like, okay, we're good. They're in the red zone. So no need to worry. Cause at that point they had the ball. They were up two scores still. There wasn't a lot of time left. If Boomer just hits a field goal, it's three scores. You're done. And even in my head, I'm like, even if you somehow missed the field goal, Baylor would have to go score twice. They fumble and Baylor scoops and scores. And like, that was the moment the game flipped on. So it really, yeah. it really, if that fumble just doesn't happen, or even if it happens and UCF jumps on it, they win the game, no question. So it's so funny how obviously a lot of things contribute to losing a game where you're up 35-7, but it was that literal one moment, that turnover that they scored on that totally flipped the game. Yeah, and then I think Kansas is safe to say, well, I guess there's two things I would want to say for Kansas was that one was just the defense, again, couldn't stop the run. And then I think the the quarterback decisions probably didn't help either. They lost the that time game they settled on Timmy. By the time they settled on Timmy, it was 17 nothing. Yeah, I, I said they I don't that, know that they win coaching. it anyway, though. That's coaching. I don't know if they win the game either way, but I don't think. But, you know, it's just that rabbit hole you can't go down because they were having to play a totally different, not the way they were playing. Their game plan's out the window once you're you're finally settled in down 17-0. The whole flip-flopping between JRP and then Timmy and, okay, we're going to try JRP again, three drives. You're down 17 nothing by the time they just said, okay, we're sticking with Timmy. Like, you can't. They started a game down 17 nothing essentially, and, yeah. and the defense was the worst defensive performance by UCF team in a few years. So, yeah, that's that's a mix of talent and coaching, I think. Now we talk about it like Oklahoma. It's just Oklahoma's better. Yeah. So like really now that I think about these these four losses like individually, I'm like, it's not that bad. I mean, it is bad. I've said but... a gazillion times. The only one I'm pissed about, or like I'm not happy about any of them, but the only one that I like that keeps me up at night is Baylor. Like that's yeah. the one. That's because it's also if they win that game, everything else is more palatable. If they're there, we're not worried about them not making a bowl right now. They're not winless in the Big Twelve. They're not the bottom of the league. It's it all comes down to the Baylor game. Everything else has been varying levels of well that happened. And we talked about this on Saturday. Like you look at those four games, the four Big Twelve games, and three of them they were close to winning or like in the game. They, they were very yeah. clearly competitive. So they held a second half lead in three of their four first Big Twelve games. That means nothing. Like I'm not sitting here being like, let's yeah. all clap and cheer for that. But no, I mean, I'm, it, but it's not. This that isn't, I, makes ahead. you feel like, oh man, like they they should have probably won a couple of those games. Like it shows they're close. Like I said, you can yeah. compare them to Cincinnati, who just is lifeless and has been all season and lost to freaking Miami, Ohio. Like that's a disastrous season. This well, I don't know. Maybe UCF season is even more disastrous because they do have the ability to win these games and still haven't. But it at least gives me more. Like Cincinnati has no hope. Right. Like they, they're they're they've they just aren't they don't have a quarterback um, and they don't have talent like UCF. We can 
at least for now, gaslight ourselves into believing they can win multiple games down the stretch here. Yes, but I'm I'm officially in the mode, like we're close enough to the Cincinnati game where I'm officially in the, I'm going to be careful what I say about that game because I'm, I'm, I'm still a little concerned about it, even though I don't think Cincinnati is even close to where UCF is right now. We've seen Emory Jones play UCF. That right after. We've seen yeah, Emory yeah. Jones play UCF, and he and look what he did against UCF when surrounded by four stars and five stars. Now imagine what he'll deal surrounded by by the post fickle Cincinnati, who lost all their but talent to the portal. Have, have you considered that UCF could could just do UCF things? And... So yeah, and and let's start previewing the Cincinnati game before we even talk about West Virginia. <laughs> Cincinnati is also tenth in the nation in rushing offense, and that one that's a scary stat given UCF's issues defending the run. But at the same time, I'm like. Rushing offense is total rushing yards, and are they 10th in the country because they're really good at running the ball, or are they 10th in the country because their quarterback is not capable of throwing? Like, And that's the only way they're going to generate any offense. And, and, and the because quarterback, he, even he, when they do throw, he'll just run and pick up six yards instead. Yeah. His his like, his like running stats are probably better than his passing stats. Like, every I'd time, I, every, every week... if they weren't. Every week when I look at the around the Big 12 that I write for Night Sports now, like, it's like Emory Jones completed, like, less than 50% of his passes... And threw for 120 yards. Oh, but he ran for 97. So it's like, yeah, I mean, he had more passing yards, but comparatively, that's, yeah. Anyway, what would you say if <laughs> I told you that his completion rate is over 60%? I would say some of the, like, there were probably some early games that inflated that. Probably. He has 1,400 passing yards, 13 touchdowns to eight picks. Um, yeah. I'm looking at his, actually, he's thrown for, yeah, it was. He threw for 265 against Miami, Ohio. He, he threw for 235 against Oklahoma. That's interesting. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know why I'm... I don't really know what we're now. doing. I think, okay. like, because we, we kind of got away from the question where it's like, what was the biggest issue? Like, I don't... There's not any one big issue, I guess. Yeah. Like, it's just some small things led to them losing those games. And with that answer, I can't turn around and be like, has it been resolved? I don't know. Like, I, I think they took some steps forward defensively last week or this past weekend. Um... Has but, JRP looked good enough against Boise State and Oklahoma for me to say that if he doesn't get hurt, they have more wins right now? Can I reasonably say that? I think they have at least one more. Right. That's kind of how I feel. I don't think they're like, I don't think we're flipping the whole slate here, but I don't think they're winless in Big 12 play if JRP never got hurt. I think they beat Baylor. I think so too. I think so too. But, but I don't know. Because I think they might have, I don't know. I think like I'm forgetting about that game, I'm, uh, which is actually a good thing. I don't want to remember it, but I'm kind of forgetting how that game went. Like I feel I was going to say that I think with JRP, they would have scored more. They got maybe even had a bigger lead and it'd been hard, hard to blow. I think an impossible lead to blow. But I don't know. I feel like Timmy didn't play poorly in that game. Like No, and it wasn't even that UCF was just, I mean, UCF actually had a lot of drives that didn't go for much. They just were killing it on the big plays. Like Johnny went yeah. for 79 yards in the opening play of the game. They lost Javon in coverage and they hit him for a touchdown on the first play of a drive. Like it was, that was how UCF built the lead was, I mean, they looked good on offense, but they just had these huge explosive plays that worked. And so I don't know. I don't think the score is dramatically different. I just don't, I don't know. It, JRP is a really good player, which is not a thing I ever thought I'd say, but I, and, and like I said, and we'll get more on this later, but it's like, I, one thing I was impressed with Oklahoma is he clearly doesn't have his full mobility right now. That's pretty obvious. He's not running at all. Like he would last year, but it's like, you take that part of his game away and he's still a really good quarterback right now. I mean, he, yeah, sure. He has some overthrown. He's not the most accurate guy in the world, but he's calm now he's collected. He doesn't make stupid mistakes or take, put games out of reach by running around and losing six yards when he has a guy. I mean, he just plays calm, collected football. It's so bizarre because I thought like Hinshaw. I'm crediting Hinshaw because I'm thinking like if he, he can't run, then what is he good for? And yeah, he has actually been a like a decent quarterback this year. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's been strange, but here they are. It's still at three and four because of the injury and because of 
all these weird circumstances. But should we go on to the other five-star review question before we get on for too long about this? Let's do um, it. This one was, I guess I saw this one after last podcast, and I guess it applied to last week as well, but we'll cut it out. The original question was, UCF has four more opportunities to beat a legacy Big 12 team. Which game is UCF most likely to win out of OU, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech? Obviously, the Oklahoma game's over. They lost. Um, so we'll narrow this down to the last three, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. Which one's most likely? I think Oklahoma State's the least likely. That's kind of how given, I feel right now, too. They've been playing really well lately. They've kind of figured some things out. I want to say West Virginia, even though I think West Virginia is better than Texas Tech. So let me give you a – I'm a little – we've penciled in Texas Tech as an automatic loss the entire offseason and through this point of the season, A, because they were supposed to – they were supposed to maybe be the TCU of this year. Like, I think they yeah. were in the preseason AP Top 25, or they were the coaches' poll, and they were close to being ranked in the Top 25. Lots of people thought they could win the league this year. And also, Texas Tech is a really tough place to win a game. It's late in the season. It's November. That felt like a loss from the start. Texas Tech lost their quarterback a few weeks ago and has just kind of been crumbling since. They've lost by double digits in their last two games. Their only Big 12 wins are Baylor and Houston, who, you know, have both had pretty rough seasons. I, it might be Texas Tech. I mean, if that's a home game, it definitely would be. So it's just a question of how much yeah. does playing on the road in Lubbock in November factor in? Because Is their quarterback coming out, back at any point? He's supposed to be out for the year. I'm going to double check that okay. right now, but I don't believe he's coming back. Because I was going to say that felt like a classic, like, oh, he returns against UCF and throws four touchdowns. Like, that <laughs> felt like that would have been been a thing that could No, but I, I do want to say, I don't know. I Yeah, he's done. I, like, he's not I, coming back. Oh, is he out? Okay. I don't know. I haven't watched enough of Texas Tech, I guess, but I just still feel like the Big 12 is weird enough to where, like, yeah, it's just something about playing in Lubbock in that game doesn't sound right. Right. It doesn't sit right with me. So I want to say West Virginia, especially West Virginia is kind of on a little bit of a slide. They've lost two straight games, both like late, like they were, they lost on a Hail Mary to Houston and then fourth quarter, they just imploded against uh, Oklahoma state. Who's good. So I don't know. I think West Virginia is better than Texas tech, but the game being at home and UCF coming off the performance they just had feels like the one that I'd say, yeah, that's the one I'd pick, but I think they could win both. I think they win Texas tech and West Virginia. I, right now. I don't think they'll win. They'll beat Oklahoma state, which, it would be really sad so. because it's the space game. That they're First lost ever space loss. I mean, this is yeah. still the same Oklahoma State game that or Oklahoma State team that got blown out by South Alabama at home and also lost to Iowa State. But they've also just been playing a lot better since then. And I think they've yeah. stopped playing three quarterbacks every game, which has they probably have. really helped. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It probably is West Virginia. I just I feel the Texas Tech game, given a how UCF looked against Oklahoma, which I know I'm way overreacting to one result and b how Texas Tech has looked like the whole year at this point. That game feels more attainable than it did two months ago. Yeah. I think so, but um, we got through the two of them, which was good. Um, first one took way longer than I expected it to, but we kind of—I knew that on. was going to happen because it was like whenever there's a, whenever we get a question, this is how you guys screw us up. Is whenever we get a question where it's not just like this, it's like four or five different parts. Like I just start trying to do a podcast, like I just start going off on tangents, and then suddenly it's been twenty minutes and we it haven't was the, done the podcast. It was the game by game thing. If you would just said like, "What's been the biggest issue?" and like, "Has it been solved?" I'm like, "Yeah, okay, we can get this done in probably a few minutes." But it was like, "Oh, what was the problem in this game? What was the problem in this thing?" It's yeah, we we. I don't know. I so was just so, so I'm keeping track, up, but it was just some, the question. So just so I'm keeping track for the listeners at home. So Nighthand Luke has now sent us two questions. The first one we just skipped through because we wanted to talk about something else. The second one we've insulted the structure of the question. <laughs> I'm not insulting. Uh, I guess I am. I don't know. It, it, I'm just explaining why we went off the rails that quickly and how we need to now get back on track. Um, talk about a couple of things from the Oklahoma game that we want to touch on before we move on to West Virginia. Um, the one thing 
real quick was that they moved Addison Williams. Obviously, they moved like he didn't have a choice in it, but Addison Williams was on the field um, rather than in the in the box. And I believe they said David Gibbs went up to the coach's box. Yep. Um, I don't think that explains away like why they played better on defense. I don't think it's just that that simple thing, but just some things they probably talked about during the bye week. Probably good. To, to me, it's less. I will say that Walter Yates spoke today and he talked about that, which this is one of those sort of intangible things where I have a hard time determining how much it actually matters. But we know A. Will is a very energetic guy. And and I like that we went from T. Will to A. Will. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, And he said just having that energy on the sideline with the defense was helpful, which it probably was. But to me, it was less like I'm not going to sit here and say like David Gibbs is up in the box. Addison Williams is on the field. We have determined why UCF now has a good defense. Like it's obviously not that simple, but to me, it more speaks to the fact that there, there were dramatic changes that happened in that bye week on defense. And, and that actually encourages me more that this can continue because at one point with Oklahoma, I'm kind of like, okay, is this because, you know, they fixed the defense or is this just because UCF got up for a really big game? Is this just because Oklahoma actually doesn't have as great of a rushing offense as some of the other teams UCF's faced? So Knowing they made changes that dramatic makes me feel like there could be hope that the defense doesn't have another Kansas, you know? I don't think yeah. they're going to be great this year. I don't think the defense is ever going to be holding Big 12 teams like three points or something. But just don't right. do so much that the offense doesn't even have a chance to win the game. Right. No, I, I think that's completely it. And I think it was that. I think there were some personnel changes on the defense itself. Ricky Barber was back healthy. And there were just that's little huge. things that all contributed to to what was, I think, what, I don't, was that the best – yeah, that was their best performance in the defensive performance in Big 12 play, I guess. That's no, I think their their best defensive performance in Big 12 play was the first three quarters of the Baylor game. Okay, well, that, that works. But Baylor's, well, I would say Baylor's yeah. garbage, but they beat UCF. But it was anyway. honestly, we're talking so much about the D, de- like the, it, it's so funny how we've mainly talked about how like you, the defense's issue has been just allowing a gazillion rushing yards every game. That was the best game UCF secondary has played in like two years. And yeah. that was a big part of why they won the game. I know Dylan Gabriel still got his stats. Like he's going to, he's Dylan Gabriel. He's very good at football, but I, I, Corey Thornton had that pick take. Did you realize away. what you just said? No, what did I say? So that was a large reason why they won that game. They didn't win that game. I'm so brainwashed right now. Did I really say that? I know. <laughs> I, think UCF, I think that that's I know what UCF I heard. Lost the game. I, yeah. man, I don't, like I said, I, it's so funny. Cause I'm usually just distraught after a loss and I've been fine after this one. I, I, I just, my expectations were so freaking low and it's just gotten me like, I'm bought in on the hype now of like, they could turn around the second half of the season. I don't think Gus told the team and they posted the video that he thinks they can win out from here. I don't think they're going to win out. I think that's crazy, but I, I think they can be a lot better from here, but he was, he was really tactical in the way he phrased that he said we're going to have a chance to win out the rest of the way yeah and when i buy a lottery ticket i'm going to have a chance to win a billion dollars but they had a chance to beat oklahoma because they were playing in the game so yeah i mean yes they have a chance to win out but anyway all of that was to say the secondary played really well they had a really yes yes absolutely um other thing we want to touch on from the game i don't think we talked about it on saturday because you kind of got lost in like the end of the game and just how the entire story of the game went but Javon Baker blowing a kiss to the Oklahoma sideline as he scored the touchdown um coaches have talked about it since and they have Javon is in some trouble I mean not some trouble I don't think he's gonna be like disciplined disciplined but like they they were not happy with him he might be he got Hinshaw went off on him on Sunday night like that really went off on me, him though. and then Hinshaw yeah because Hinshaw and like Gus will just sort of say things publicly and it's great but then even Gus today talked about he Gus called it selfish today and said that it was unacceptable and that it's not something that will happen again I'm a little torn on this one, to be honest with you, because on one hand, college football is supposed to be fun. And that was really fun. It was also UCF's first like truly national viral moment in like two years where Javon, like that was everywhere. ESPN Sports and everyone posted that. Yeah. Oh, look, UCF receiver has this amazing play, blows a kiss to the Oklahoma sideline on his way to the end zone. It's great. If the refs had noticed it or 
thrown a flag on it, that's a spot foul and they would have lost yeah. the touchdown. And I think I would have wanted Javon Baker off the team if that had happened. So I understand that. And I, I think what made it even more egregious is that he did that, got to the end zone, got away with it, and then got a flag in the end zone for excessive celebration. So it, it was just, it, which you just kind of expect that from Javon at this point. But I think the coaches, it's more of just understanding they really got away with one there and like letting the team know, hey, we are not going to be that team that's losing yeah. touchdowns because we're doing stuff like this. Looking back now, I remember we did talk about this because I said some. We talked about how we thought it looked like he legit blew the kiss right when he went by Brent Venables. It, it looked like it was um, right, literally right as he yeah. went past Venables. It was when he blew the kiss. So, I don't think that was his intent. It just happened no. to be like the timing of it was really funny. Well, that's my like where I think the whole thing gets lost with some Oklahoma fans were complaining about it all day on Saturday, saying like, "Oh, but according to the rest, that happened after the play." No, like I don't think they realized that he also got a taunting penalty after the play. They didn't call the one during the play because yeah. they were trying to like people were replying to that. And they're like, "Oh, the ref said this happened after the play." No, they didn't even see that. So yeah, there's that. But I, so where I'm torn on it is, I understand that can't happen because it's a spot foul if it gets seen and it it takes a touchdown off the board. My issue is more with that rule. I hate that rule. So I'm glad that he got away with it. I understand the rule, honestly. Like, I'm not anti-fun, I promise. I'm a fun guy. But my thing is that blowing a kiss is one of those things where it's like it was really funny in the moment. But, like, you have to have the rule because where does the line get drawn there? Like, I understand why. Like, I almost feel like, weirdly, if he'd gotten in the end zone and blown a kiss to the crowd, that would have been more okay. But it was something about doing it. Well, yeah, who wouldn't gotten a flag for that? doing it to the team the opposing team is like i get why they don't want that because you don't want to start fights and stuff because you want to start fights and stuff. Okay. well yeah but you he you can still you can not my my whole thing is like you can still penalize it fine but i don't like that it's a spot fact i don't it doesn't impact the play so let like, me let me put it this way for you if dylan gabriel had broken free and was running towards the end zone and blew a kiss to ucf sideline would you have been okay with that or would you have been like, I, I, I would have been annoyed, that. but I wouldn't have said they should have thrown a flag. Like I, I would have been like, I, cause it happened way back in 2000. I, I could have sworn they changed the rule, but I guess not. Um, Brad wing LSU's punter did it in like, Oh, seven, Oh, eight, Oh nine. I don't know when that was. He, they did a fake punt and he kind of like opened his arms like this, like right as he was crossing the goal line. And just because it happened right before the goal line, they took, they called it back. And I thought it was so stupid. Well, that's really stupid. And, it was stupid. Javon blew the kiss like thing. 40 yards before the end. Right. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying like the whole thing, my my thing is like penalize it fine, tack 15 yards, he still gets the personal foul and that counts towards one of his two, he gets kicked out. But to to take a touchdown, like it doesn't impact the play. Like it's, that, it, I don't right. think you should bail out the defense for, I don't know. It's just You actually are correct. Thing. That is my stance. You're right. I'm okay, okay. with it being a rule, but what? Wait, what I don't know, it's funny. Like I, after all, you're just like, you're right. <laughs> well, you are, because I, I realize we're kind of arguing different things. Like, I'm like, yeah. I understand why they have anti-taunting rules, but I'm like, you are correct that that's way too harsh of a penalty for that to have taken a touchdown off the board. Like, you're right. If he did that, whatever, and then after, you know, the play is over, he gets to the end zone, you throw the flag 15 yards on the kickoff or whatever, or on the PAT. Not on, not on taking a... I'm not a big fan right. of right. any rules like that that erase plays that didn't impact the play. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's the thing is like, and that's why I get so annoyed. There's like a block in the back on a run where it's like 20 yards behind the play. Like obviously, yeah. yeah, call it because like that was stupid, but it's just stupid play by the player. But it's in, if it doesn't impact the thing, it's, that's when it just makes it so much more annoying. So like if it's something completely like did not even a, involved with another player, like it's just a, a taunt or it's a celebration or whatever. 
My biggest football rule hot take is that I think holding should be allowed on punt returns and kickoffs because I I just think it should be. I think you should be allowed to because it's every single time I've ever seen a punt return touchdown or a kickoff return touchdown come back and they're like, oh, it was holding because that's always it's always what it is. Every single time it happens, it's never holding that impact to the play. It's always like 20 yards back. Some dude who this is the only time he's ever going to be on the field and he just, you know, gets too tied up with another guy. And they're like, yeah, we got to we got to erase this play over that. So stupid in both directions. I just I hate when that happens. Yeah, um, I don't think I have any anything else to say. I thought I did for a second, but I forgot about it. So, well, just once again, congratulations to UCF for beating Oklahoma. That was really cool for me to for me to watch, and uh, apparently that's how it's that's how it's been burned into my brain. So, shout out to UCF on the win. Yeah. Um, awesome. So to talk about the West Virginia game, our main storyline is: Can UCF break its losing streak? Because <laughs> they didn't Hope win so. against Oklahoma. Hope uh, so. Four straight losses. They're three and four, and they're coming back home. They haven't won a game since September sixteenth. <laughs> that's not, I hate that. I hate that so much. This is a must-win game, right? Like yeah. ab- oh, absolutely yeah. by any definition you want to use, this is a must-win game because there's two ways that we're going to look back on the 2023 UCF football season. And the first way is going to be that the Oklahoma game was UCF getting up for the biggest opponent on their schedule and really wanting to win that one coming out of a bye week and they fell just short and then they went back to sucking and this team just wasn't good. Or it can be at the end of November, we're looking back and saying that bye week into that Oklahoma game, that was the turning point. Them knowing that they can almost beat Oklahoma, that's how they put together this run where they went six and six or seven and five. That's the version I want. And I don't think it's possible to get that version without beating West Virginia. I think if they lose this one, the team is just like, we're done. I I really do think that. And I think the fan base will be too. I think that they have one more chance here. And if they really do start 0-5 and lose this game a home game, their second straight home game, I think that that's it for the season. Because they'd be three and five on the year and zero oh and five in Big Twelve play, and then you kind of like look at the last few games and you're like, okay, say they go on the road next week and beat Cincinnati, and then they whatever they beat, they beat Houston, and they end up with two conference wins, but it's just Cincinnati and Houston. Like people are going to look at the season and just be like, yeah, it doesn't mean yeah. anything. And so getting this one out of the way, getting West Virginia and getting that win, like it feels like it, it have to do it because also the whole narrative thing. If if they lose this game, they have one more game they can afford to lose and, and still make a bowl. And that just feels like they're, they're killing, they're cutting into their margin of error, which is yeah. already not very big, which on the flip so. side, you beat West Virginia, you get back to four and four, you then go, yay, beat a big 12 team. Woohoo. You, you, all the UCF fans will go out to where there aren't enough bars outside of UCF to party. So that, that, that's the, I'm, I'm going to do a quick tangent. That's where you, I, we've been saying, we've been doing an update every week of what's the dumb thing that UCF fans are angry about on Twitter. This week's after the game is that a bunch of UCF fans at Oklahoma liked how many bars there were around campus and are now mad there aren't more bars around UCF's campus. And I've seen multiple tweets saying UCF needs to do something about this as if UCF is, is, is controls what businesses are in operation on like universities. So that, that, that right. that's where we're at this week. I think the Frankie Valley thing was still dumber, but this is close. Um, but anyway, you look at it the other way, if they beat West Virginia, all this momentum, you go on the road to Cincinnati and you beat that game. Suddenly you're five and four. All you need to do from, you could drop the next two and just beat Houston. And, and even then it's just the momentum you're carrying in the Oklahoma state game is we figured it out. We've won two of these big 12 games. Around. Everything is better. If they beat West Virginia, I really think that it's like just getting that one win and showing you can do it is going to completely flip the mentality of this team and this fan base. So here's why it's not going to happen. Here's why <laughs> what I just thought of in my brain was they beat West Virginia, they beat Cincinnati, they're five and four. I think they can win two out of the last three, and then you're back to seven wins. And that's like, that's more than I asked for. It's more than yeah. we asked for at the beginning of the year, but now it's not going to work out that way. I How many podcasts but, did we say our prediction was seven and five? We talked about, I remember one of our last podcasts before the season started, we said we looked at the schedule and we found like nine different ways to get to seven and five. It just felt like yeah. a seven and five year. 
And and I think that part of that is if they do end up getting like four and eight's bad and a disaster, and we will rightfully talk about how bad that is. But if they do get to six and six or seven and five, it's this stretch was terrible, but we're just going to sit back at the end of the year and be like, what we predicted happened. And and I'm sorry for the group of the fan base that convinced themselves they were going to go 10 and two, but that was never realistic. Just wasn't. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. Um, want to jump into the key stats? Let's do it. Can do that. Uh, key stat number one, West Virginia is allowing 31 points per game in Big 12 play and has allowed 40 plus in its last two games. Bodes well. I think they, so. Uh, it was, and how it happened in the last game against Oklahoma State, they just could not stop the run and UCF can run the ball pretty well. They can um, very well, some might say. Yeah. Um, so that that does bode well. And I think you give another another week of JRP getting back to I don't know if he'll be hundred percent at any point the rest of the year. Like I know it's oh he's almost there. He's almost there. I don't know if he will be, but the way he played this past week, like I, I don't think you need him. This is a crazy thing because this is how I uh, opposite of what I used to think. They needed him running around the, the whole field because that's what he does well. Like they don't need him running around the whole field to win this game. Um, I they don't at this point. Like the way he's playing, if he continues to throw the ball well, then he runs when he needs to, but it doesn't have to be a thing where they're calling 10 design runs for him and he's having to pick up five, six, seven yards every play. They can get they can move the ball down the field other ways and score points. I know that it's a sample size of like two games at this point because we're talking about Boise and Oklahoma in particular and, and Kent State. He he had some dumb mistakes against Kent State, but it, th- those were more like I'm playing Kent State and want to try to have a lot yeah. of touchdowns than like YOLO ball. Yeah, YOLO ball. Like when one of my favorite games ever was when Mackenzie Milton had three picks against SC State in 2018, <laughs> the first home game after the undefeated season, because every single play Milton was just like, we're going deep. We're going deep yeah. and just seeing what happens. And, it, and you know, it was funny, but <laughs> but, you know it's funny to look back on last year like jrp has finally become the player that we desperately want him to be he's gone from having crazy highs and crazy lows to just being like right in the middle like you remember last year we're in back-to-back weeks he put up seven touchdowns against temple and then turned the ball over on four straight drives against east carolina like now he's just in the middle and that's what we believe want believe it or not i do remember that <laughs> I, I don't know if you did i had to jog your memory and you remember yeah. when ucf was gonna host game day and then they lost east carolina crazy um yeah. but ucf's offense as far as west virginia allowing a lot of points it has been really consistent in big 12 play. They've allowed 30 or they've allowed, they've scored 31, 35, 22 and 29 points in those four games. That's a pretty, when you're looking at, like I just said, Temple and East Carolina, they scored 70 points and 14 points in back-to-back weeks. So we're yeah. looking at a pretty consistent range. Now JRP's back. He's looked really good at times. And I was actually looking at the Oklahoma, Oklahoma season. The only team to score more on Oklahoma this year than UCF did was Texas. And Texas scored one more point than UCF did. In Oklahoma's other five games, they're allowing 10.8 points per game. So I think UCF's offense is legitimately solid. And they're finally going to get to play a team that has a pretty bad defense and has been playing mm-hmm. badly for a few weeks now. I, I'm really thinking that UCF's offense might have like a breakthrough day here. Well, that's what that's what was encouraging too from Saturday, not to go too far back to Saturday, but like Oklahoma in the past under Lincoln Riley, now you're seeing it out with USC is like, oh, they have great offense, can't play defense. Like Venables under under him, like they're playing good defense. And so for He's UCF to coach. Yeah, for he defensive coordinator at Clemson before this. So for for UCF to go out and play that way they did offensively, that was encouraging to me. And so yeah, they should hopefully be able to translate it against the worst defense at home and give themselves a good chance to win. Like I, I do feel good about their chances to win, which is funny because like a few weeks ago. West Virginia was playing well. I think they were like four and one and, you know, things were, they're like looking like actually going to be like a top three or four team in the conference. And then two results go not their way. And so now I'm like, UCF can beat them, but um, yeah, I feel good about it. And I feel good about the matchup. I think for the most part, other than in key stat number two, West Virginia is the number, the number 23 
uh, rushing offense in the country. Uh, for reference, Oklahoma was was 51st. So this is a better rushing offense. And Oklahoma, we talked about it earlier. We talked about it on Saturday. Like Oklahoma is going to throw the ball. And they couldn't really establish anything on the ground. And that was a surprise. That's that's where I'm still kind of like, yeah, okay, maybe they don't have the best run game. But UCS run defense was so bad before that I thought like, okay, even if like Oklahoma's rushing offense isn't that good, like they'll still be able to get some chunk runs. Like they really weren't getting a lot. And that's yeah. where I feel good. And with the way the secondary played, like uh, from what I've seen so far this year, like West Virginia's quarterback is not that great. Correct. Not really lighting up the scoreboard. Well, I mean, I guess they're, they're scoring some points, but it's more the rushing attack. Like he's not throwing the ball over the field and, and just dominating teams throwing for five touchdowns. So the secondary can keep playing that way. And then the rushing defense can, hang in there i mean i'm not asking there i can probably not be able to replicate everything from saturday but they can hang in there feel all right and if you if ucf can get a lead which sounds scary because they're gonna be back at the site of the crime from before um if they can get a lead in west virginia make them throw the ball feel good yeah i feel this i feel the same way about everything you just said you know where ucf ranks in run defense nationally 119th you were it's 120 you were so oh, close you know it's weird off. i almost said 121st so i, I was gonna I was on one side or the other you're um, right there um but yes yeah, so i didn't even bad. look at that either i did not look yeah, at that they've been bad wow. but um, and and it's not like oklahoma didn't run the ball they did run the ball and they picked up some yeah. yards but but it's just it's what happened specifically against kansas and to a degree against kansas state well not to a degree against kansas state they had one guy rush for like four touchdowns and a gazillion yards <laughs> but that's what you, it, I'm okay with UCF allowing rushing yards and allowing more of them than I'd like. I can make my peace with that. You can't look completely lifeless. You can't let a team just hold the ball for, for 75% of the game and just run on you and gash you over and over and over. And you look helpless. That's what you can't do. You can allow some plays, but you have to have some negative yards plays. You have to have your secondary play well, so they can't throw the ball. Like it's like, if you can just do those small things and not, I'm not asking for UCF's defense to be superstars. Just right. do what you did against Oklahoma <laughs> where you don't allow 45 points like that. That's it. That's really all UCF needs with how good this offense can be. Because I mean, I mean, some parts of the offense have come true. Like RJ Harvey is phenomenal. There were like, there have been so many plays in big 12 play that like the play did not work. The play was not there. O-line didn't do their part or it was a bad call or whatever. And RJ is just like, that's okay. I'll pick up 15 yards anyway. Like I, I just, <laughs> it's, he's so freaking good. Javon Baker yeah. is awesome. Even though he's, you know, sometimes does some things you don't want to do. And at least all those things aren't talent related. Kobe Hudson has had a great season. Xavier Townsend is also present. And I know that he hasn't had like the stats we thought he was going to after the Kent State game, but he's been a weapon as well. Johnny Richardson is big, big a big play threat. The offensive line has is somehow up for like offensive line of the year, even though they've yep. started like 19 <laughs> different variations. Offense is there. Offense can win them some games. The defense just has to not do so much that the offense doesn't have a chance. Yeah, which is scary that it's like, mm, I don't know if they can do that. But I, don't know. I feel better I don't about know. it now than I did. So I feel I feel better. We're just getting don't closer let West Virginia Just don't let West Virginia score more than like, I think if you can hold, this is going to age so badly. If you can hold West Virginia to like 31 in that range, I think UCF can win the game. Just don't let them. I think so. And I think it's more than just the points you hold them to. It's don't let them run the ball on you and take nine minutes off the clock on a drive. Like you can't let that happen. Yeah, we're getting closer and closer to making score predictions. I still don't have one, um, but we'll get there. Um, key stat number three, and this is a sad state of affairs. UCF is five and three in its last eight FBS home games. And I guess you can you say they're seven and three if you count. Uh, who was it last year? South Carolina State and um, Villanova this year. Was South Carolina State last year or no? Yes. I don't know why okay. I gave you this really quizzical expression when they clearly yeah. played SC State last year. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so five and three in the last FB, eight FBS home games. 
Um, I think I tweeted this last last week with the the like the Mark Jackson meme, and I said, "What happened to the bounce house that I love?" Because it just hasn't been the same lately. I'm just sad. And I don't know. I I don't know that it's going to be the same on Saturday either. Yeah, I uh, I totally get that. I I think that. Uh, sorry, I knew I, I I looked up their home records by year for this podcast, and I forgot where I put that, so I was trying oh. to find it <laughs> while you were talking. I was like, you're suddenly like so disengaged. Um, yeah, I I know. I was just like, I don't care about this. No, I was trying to find it yeah. so I could have it up for reference. I mean, it was like we, I started the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm getting better about that since we've been doing the video yeah. version because I'll watch the YouTube version and like I do just stare down at my phone and ignore you while you and I'm like I need to look more engaged. Um, but anyway, I, I mean, we talked about the 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 advantage of the bounce house is legendary, and UCF obviously has been very very good at home for a very long time. It's felt like a change over the last couple of years, and it's not it's not a Malzahn thing because they went undefeated at home in his first season. And frankly, I think it's because the students leave early. No, that was a joke. But <laughs> I, I do think that it's kind of we were talking about, and we've talked about this a little bit, like not super publicly, but it is a thing that like a lot of UCF folks talk about. The bounce house hasn't felt as rowdy as it did pro- most of my life over these last couple seasons. I remember the first time I really noticed it was the Navy game last year, which. I kind of like, I remember literally before that game went off the rails, we knew it was going to be, I remember very early in the game, uh, Navy's on offense. And I'm just like, it's kind of quiet in here right now. And I, I put that up to, it was an 11 AM kick against a bad team, but I felt that way in a lot of games this year too. I was surprised it wasn't louder for a lot of the Baylor game. The loudest the Baylor game got was when most fans had left and Baylor was trying to win the game. I just, I don't, I don't totally know what's happened there. I, or or, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I, I don't want to speak for everyone. I wonder if part of it is UCF's identity has changed. Like, it feels like everyone's kind of complacent at this point. Like, yeah, we're in the Big 12. We've done it. And like, back when it was crazy, like, year, even just a few years ago, it was like, UCF was still like a disruptor. And like, they were like, this big thing that we were looking for attention. Now we've gotten the attention. People are just like, yeah, like we'll go to the games and we'll still, still be a good crowd, like in terms of numbers. But like, I don't know, just atmosphere wise, it hasn't lived up to, I'm trying to think of the last game, I guess, like, because even talked about it last year with like the Cincinnati game, which was like a good atmosphere, probably one of the best ones they've had in, in a while, but it still wasn't anything, I think, compared to the, the previous ones. And I don't know where that's come from. I don't know if it's just been a few years in a row now where like each game, like they're coming in with a loss or two and people are just like, oh, this game doesn't mean as much. I don't know what it is. It's a weird thing, but I hope it stops. The I could I could just blame it on the students if you wanted if we if we did math I don't believe this but if you did do math you point out so the students who were freshmen in 2018 so the the last students who saw the win streak are gone now and and we're gone mostly gone starting in 2022 and I wonder if just generationally things are a little different I don't like I said I'm not I, I'm not actually going there because I think the students yeah. are fine I do I don't I do get that when you say it's a mentality sometimes I wonder how much that trickles down to the actual stadium atmosphere though because like like that stadium is not full of diehard UCF fans but that's fair and also it's not like they like this the Navy game last year that I was surprised by how I'm not gonna say quiet it wasn't quiet but just was surprised that it wasn't as loud as we're used to that by that point UCF was in the top 25 they were expecting to be hosting a conference title game and going to the Cotton Bowl like I don't know how much you how you get more hype than that so I don't don't totally know what it is now I will say the caveat I want to give to all this is that UCF still has a really good home environment and it's still a lot louder than it is a lot of other places. There were actually more than a few UCF fans were talking about how they were surprised how quiet Oklahoma's game was when UCF was on offense. Yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that. Because 
it's different for some of these other stadiums. Like Oklahoma's stadium is 88,000 or 83,000. It's in the 80s. I don't know. Somewhere in there. Very large stadium. But the vibe is entirely different. It's a much older fan base. The games are a lot more like family reunion and like experiential vibes versus where every UCF home game is like, we want to watch them win this game and we want to be really loud. And, and that's the thing I've heard over the years when I've talked to people who are either their team is visiting UCF and they're covering the team. Like I've talked with a few different media folks about that or sometimes whoever is that, you know, UCF's big identifying factor is that they, they're they never not loud. Like most right. other stadiums, even the big ones, is they get loud for the big moments. But other than that, they're kind of hanging out. And UCF, it's like every play. And I do think UCF still has that. There's just, it, it's felt a little dial back the last couple of years. And I don't know what to, I, I have no idea what to contribute that to. I'd be curious if other people feel the same way. Because I've we've had this conversation with a few people who feel this way too. So it's not like yeah. we're just going, going off the rails with this. And what will, which kind of to your point, like what will always benefit UCF is the fact that they have student sections on both ends of the, yeah. of the stadium. Like that's always going to help as long as the students are there, but that'll help. Um, but yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm curious if anyone has any theories, throw them out. I'd there, love to I'm, hear I'm, what you guys it's think. An, it's an interesting topic to me. Cause it's not like it's all of a sudden, like five and three is five. Like they've played some tougher teams and played some tough games, but whatever. And it's less about the record, more just about the feel like of everything. Like even yeah. last year, some of the bigger games were just kind of like, not the same as even the Stanford game in 2019. It was like that game, the atmosphere of that game was crazy. And I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. The yeah. Stanford game, man, that game was, that was one of the louder UCF games of the last like decade. We don't even really talk about great. that one because it wasn't a good game, but okay. I'm, I'm not at like even remotely, like this is just total, like thinking out loud. Can you blame the, can you blame the actual stadium? I don't even know what to call this. Like the, the DJ, stadium all experience? that stuff, the stadium oh. experience, like, because it has changed. I think you could argue it's a little more subdued than it was a few years ago. Does is does that trend get set there? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Like, I, I, don't I don't know. know. I, I would have to talk to someone or have to like actually go back and think like what has changed and what. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it could be. Could be. It could I'm going to start again. talking like, to some people and see what other people have to say about this. Yeah, and and it we could can revisit be visit this next week. What we talked about with all of the, you know, the four losses, like it could be just a variety of things. I don't know. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, more more likely than not, but maybe. But this um, thing, because I was about to say, maybe how loud they were in seventeen and eighteen just isn't sustainable. But I'm like, you know, they've been that loud like most of my life. Like the the, yeah. the bounce house didn't get tough during the win streak. It was always really tough. Like all the way back to when I was a little kid. That Texas game in 07, I was ten. Yeah. I, I'm amazed. Maybe that's why I have bad hearing today. It might have been because that game. I don't know. I, 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 bounce house has always been just crazy loud. Yeah. Um. And this is going to be a, probably a conversation we can continue next week because I am a little nervous about how what, what's going to happen on, on Saturday. It's homecoming, which is going to be good. It's a noon kick, which we'll see. This we is we talked row, about, though. We'll this, this is the one weekend where you kind of want a noon kick because yeah. it's Halloween least, weekend and yeah. students got stuff to do at night. So Yeah. I mean, homecoming, I think a lot of people will come back for anyway. So yeah. um, We'll both be there. The yeah. Coming back um, for homecoming. Yeah. <laughs> Only homecoming is what I come back for um all right so how can UCF win this game we've kind of talked and talked about it both both ways here but how can UCF win this game to you I wrote JRP continues to play well and his improved passing combined with UCF's rushing attack does enough to put West Virginia away basically with offense yeah. charge on yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I feel like what I said earlier like if they can if they can start fast that that'll be and it's again that's what they did against Baylor but I I just don't think that's even something that you can do twice like it's it was that crazy and that bad I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna very loudly knock on wood for that. Okay. Okay. Um, but no, I, just, I think if they start fast, like oh, West Virginia will 
they might still try to run the ball because it'll be early, whatever, but they, they're going to have to throw the ball and I don't know their quarterback's the greatest. And I'm going to come back and regret all of this because watch, he's going to just do, I just, I don't know. I haven't been impressed by him from what I've seen of him. And so we'll see. I think that on that side, if UCF's defensive improvements carry over, this feels like a game they can win. Let me also say, we were talking about how the secondary looked so good against Oklahoma. They really haven't looked bad at all this year. They've had games that were shakier than others, but they've been mostly steady. So it's I, I don't foresee them suddenly having a collapse where West Virginia's quarterback goes for a gazillion yards out of nowhere. Right. So how can UCF lose the game? Um, defense shows that it still can't stop the run and West Virginia controls possession. I think possession's the key for this game. It's not just about being able to run on UCF. I think it's that if you can turn that into limiting the offense's ability on the field, that's when UCF gets screwed because they're going to need to put up a lot of points to beat these big 12 teams. Yeah. Um, I kind of just feel like it's, it's, they lose this game. If last week was really just, Oh, this is the super bowl for them. And they really aren't, you know, they aren't really in, in it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I don't think that's a mentality. I don't think the mentality, I think the mentality is really good right now, which is, is a happy, like it's, I'm glad to see that because we were questioning it probably after what was it the Kansas loss or what, I don't even know when it was, but we were yeah. worried about, you know, how they Kansas can get back on track. And if they lost, if they lost the culture locker room, whatever, but it doesn't seem like that's been the case. So I, I think they can translate it. And I think hopefully they can. And I don't know that Gus is like, I don't know if they can run the table, but I think they can finish the season strong, which would be nice. But the whole, whole game. when you oh, say, well, good. when you say, and a lot of people have said that, well, they, you know, Oklahoma is their Super Bowl. Oklahoma was Iowa State Super Bowl and they lost 50 to 20. Yeah. Oklahoma was Cincinnati's more than their Super Bowl. It was their big 12 home opener. They put up six points. So like, I, right. I, and it, I'm not even like know. trying to say that it was, I'm just trying to say if, if that like, it's like, and it turns out to be the case. Like, I don't think it, I don't think it's the case, but like, it's just right. like, if they got up for that game and like, wow, like they played really, really well, but like, that's not really the level that they they're at, then maybe they lose the game, but there's also one more thing about this game that we haven't brought up that we should have brought up because Shaq. we need to bring it up every game. Yes, Shaq is oh. going to be DJing at 10 in the morning. So if you're an early riser. <laughs> I have that in the news. <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm gonna try to get there. I want to get there. Are you actually going to try to get there? I'm going to be out. I'm going to be out in the tailgating area, apparently, for the first time in a long time because I think I've said on the podcast before. This I, is I, news e- to me. Even when I wasn't uh, even when I wasn't covering the team, like when I was a kid, I've never liked tailgating. I don't enjoy it. I, I don't understand what's fun about sitting out in the sun for three hours before a football game. I, I've always been the person with sporting events. I just want to go watch the thing and leave. I don't want to I don't want to sit in the sun. It's crazy. Maybe it's because I wasn't, you know, an alcoholic when I was 12. So I just didn't like, you know, <laughs> uh, I didn't get yeah. the main appeal of tailgating. But no, we have some of our uh, some of our college friends are back in town and they're trying to get me out to the tailgate okay. on Memory Mall. So I might. Oh, boy. So if you see someone in a polo looking scared and like, like, like they need help, it's me. So I always walk through memory mall and it's always uh, an experience. I um, seriously have not walked through memory mall during a tailgate, probably since I was like 15 or 16, not even joking. But wh- what was the thing that we have to talk about every home game? Oh, not every home game, just every, every game from here every on. Game. This is the main factor. This is the main factor. And we didn't even touch on it. The Big 12 makes absolutely no sense. And oh, all yeah. of the results make no sense. So something might happen that will make no sense. And just remember that whatever happens against West Virginia does not mean that the Cincinnati game will then make sense, whether it's a good thing that's or a bad true. thing. None of it makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, your score prediction? Uh, 38-34 UCF. I am predicting a UCF win as the Knights begin their journey to 8-4 and four after they went out on the residence late. That last part was a joke. But yeah, I'm thinking 38-34 UCF. I was I was gonna give UCF 38 points, but now I want to be different. I'm gonna go UCF 41. I'll give them another field goal. UCF 41, West Virginia 
I love that we're Put a lot of like, thought into it. Yeah, you're, you're literally just looking at the ceiling. You're like, like thirty points. I don't know. Like sure. Yeah. Which and, yeah. and you're you have exactly as much chance of being right as mine did. My original was <laughs> I had UCF at thirty five, and I was like, boomer will make some like fifty one yard field goal at some point. So I'll get. I'll, I'll, I, I was gonna say thirty eight, thirty one, but then you said thirty. You said thirty eight points, so I wanted to change it. So Do you remember how for many years from the Night Sports Now account, we would tweet our score predictions, yes. like the whole staff and never close to being right at any point. No, of yeah. course not. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, and it never is. It's never good. But we do it anyway because it's fun. Uh, UCF football news. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, UCF was one of 23 te- uh, teams on the Joe Moore Award midseason honor roll for the nation's best offensive line. This happened last week before the the Oklahoma game. Um, but yeah, considering they've shuffled along, what, probably three or four out of the five positions throughout the year, Pretty that's much. kind of cool and surprising. Makes you kind of wonder if they would have just stuck with one. They've never been bad. Like, yeah. like, they didn't play well in the first quarter against Oklahoma, but they've never been bad. It's just, I, you always felt like if they just had that, and it's not all on UCF, they've had injuries, but if they just actually yeah. been consistent, could have really elevated, but some of these guys will be back next year. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, John Walker was named to the two, four, seven midseason true freshman, all American team. So that's the second one he's made. He made on threes as well. I think the previous week, he didn't um, make the athletics though. So I'm canceling my subscription. That's a fair, that's a fair reaction. Um, I, I love John Walker. John Walker's great. Um, as we just talked about, DJ Diesel, a.k.a. Shaq, a.k.a. Shaquille O'Neal, be performing at 10.15 a.m. on Iowa Plaza. You think when he, like, agreed to do this, he knew he'd be going on at 10.15 in the morning? I'd like to think that he still doesn't know. Like, I hope that he he's, like, getting in. He's like, okay, so 10.15 p.m., and they're like, oh, no. Friday right. night. Friday night, he's like, all right, what time I got to get up tomorrow? Like, what what time are we headed to UCF? And they're like, oh, we got to we gotta be setting up around probably, like, 9.30. And he's like, 9.30? And then, so, yeah. Let me say know. one other thing just for our listeners is I know I've said before, but we have an outline we go through on the podcast that Bailey types up. It's very nice. And the your literal outline, it's written out DJ Diesel, yeah. aka Shaq, aka Shaquille O'Neal. Like that's written out in front of me. That's great. That's great that you take that level of detail. It's cool. I want I wanted to do that. For some reason um, I read Iowa Plaza's Iowa Pizza. I don't know why, and I got confused for a second, but we're fine. Okay. Um now people are gonna be mad that there's not a place on near Iowa Plaza called Iowa Pizza. And that's what they can put it next to change. the eight new bars that they're gonna open up. It's gonna be it's <laughs> like it's like you know where I like to hang on after the game? Iowa Pizza. IPA yeah. pizza. Let's just get it, let's just totally turn it into a bar. Um UCF Cincinnati will kick at 3 30 and be televised by FS1. Everyone's favorite channel. Doesn't matter for us, we're gonna be there. So Wildest thing to podcast. ever happen is that UCF went to the Big 12 and fewer people than ever were watching them on TV because they were getting way better slots in the AAC. That's they need to be better. It's on them. Like if they yeah. won more games, they wouldn't be on FS1 all the time, but this is what it is. Yeah. Um, game of the week, UCF men's soccer, still killing it. Number two in the country as of last week. The new polls not out yet. Marshall could lost. Could be number so one. Could be number one. They're nine, one, and two overall, five, one, and one in the Sun Belt. They're at Georgia State on Friday, who's five, five, and five. It's a pretty fun record. Uh two, three, and two in the Sun Belt. That's a seven o'clock game. And then UCF has one more home game against James Madison. I believe it's on Halloween. Um, it's early next week. And then that'll be it. that'll be it for the regular season. I can't believe we're already at the end of the, the seasons for soccer and volleyball plays deeper, but then basketball will be starting any minute now. So not any minute, any day now. So yeah. But uh basketball is close. Men's soccer has been fantastic, and it's been fun to see. So, what if they win UCF's... the national championship? I thought about that's it the a other reasonable day. thing to to wonder yeah. about. Yeah, I thought about it the other day, and I a tear came to my eye. Not really, but it'd be cool. Uh, tweet of the week. 
Tweet of the week. Uh, instead of tweet of the week, we're actually going to have a uh, coaching comment of the week uh, this week. I decided to take a break from fan tweet of the week because I feel like I was mean enough to a lot of you on uh, the last podcast. So we'll just go That's ahead fair. and be mean to the coaches instead. Uh, so I have this quote. This came from Matt Rochelle from the presser last night where the coordinator spoke. And it was Darren Hinshaw talking about the two-point play. And he was talking about why it didn't work, all that. And then he said at one point, Xavier did not throw the ball. And in that situation, you have to throw the ball. At the end of the day, that was the play we went with and we felt good about it going into it. So the reason I want to bring this up is because I think I said it on our last podcast. I had the same gut reaction. When Townsend goes down without throwing the ball, I'm like, how do you not throw that away? And then I realized I'm asking a wide receiver why he didn't throw the ball away. And I think as a coach, I don't think you're reasonably allowed to be mad at a wide receiver for not having good instincts on when to get rid of the ball because they are trained their entire lives to never get rid of the ball they are never (laughs) supposed to let that thing go so to to sort of get on one of them for not getting a pass off under pressure is like i i I don't i don't know what to that's kind of a weird one the way i look at this is two twofold i understand what he's saying because probably yeah they've probably told him as they've practiced that play throw the ball but when it's in the moment in in the game like it's difficult. Like if it's but also, I mean, yeah, every it, it, it single ball, instinct a wide receiver has when that ball is in their hands is you feel contact, you're going down, someone's coming up on you, secure okay. that ball, <laughs> not yeah. let it go. So so then flip that in your brain. If come on, you felt the pressure, you're supposed to like throw it. I just yeah. feel like getting on Jerry for not blocking well enough. I don't I don't think there was like even if he does get rid of it and just throws it up like it. I think it was double covered, wasn't it? Like I think I don't know. Yeah, if it was it, even nothing would happen. There was a split second when there was a Javon was in the end zone. Yep. I think it was a split second where he's open. If he would have thrown it right then, yep. maybe they get it. But he kind of would need to put it in a window though. And again, yeah, we're talking about a wide right. receiver, not a quarterback. So not even R.J. Harvey, who was a former quarterback. Three different players have had plays that were supposed to end with him throwing the ball this season. It's been R.J. Harvey, Kobe Hudson, and Xavier Townsend. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. None of them just, worked. Maybe we should just stop, but no, we will no, not. I no. I can't wait to see who throws a pass on Saturday. It's going to be great. I have this thing that like it's going to finally work in like some deeply critical moment. Like you see if it's going to be five and six at home against Houston. It's like a tie game and RJ Harvey is just going to uncork this pass downfield for like the winning touchdown. That'll be the one time it works. Then in the bowl game, they'll try it again and lose five yards. Like that's what I feel like in my <laughs> head is, is the path here. You know, I had, we'll, we'll wrap up real quick here in a second, but I had this thought you sent me, I think it was this morning, you sent me a bowl projection of UCF and Auburn and the Gasparilla Bowl. I haven't even been thinking, I, all this time I've been saying like, I want UCF to just make a bowl, just make a bowl. I haven't even been thinking about a bowl the last few weeks. Like I haven't been thinking like, oh yeah, if they win six games, like I'll be like, I keep thinking, yeah, they've got to get to a bowl. I haven't thought at all about like, oh, what bowl would they get? Like I haven't looked at bowl projections in weeks and that's not like me. I'm not going to so, do that until they beat West Virginia. If they if they get to four and four, I'll be like, okay, we'll go back to thinking about bowls. I sent you that right. one just because it was like, bowl predictions right now don't mean anything, but I'm oh. like, that would be the most toxic bowl game ever. Gus Malzahn's UCF facing Auburn in the Gasparilla Bowl. Would it that be would more toxic be... than UCF in Florida though? Yes, I absolutely think it would because UCF in Florida is like, has like appeal of, you know, it's like Florida doesn't want to call it a rivalry and it's obviously not a rivalry. They don't play regularly and they're in different yeah. leagues, whatever. But like, that was a game where a lot of national people are like, oh, UCF Florida's interesting. This is just like two fan bases that both don't like Gus Malzahn and they're going to watch. They're, they're, <laughs> like, I just, it's gonna, it would just be so weird. You see somebody wrote an article this week or something about bringing Dude. back Gus Malzahn to Auburn as an offensive coordinator. An actual Auburn, like, like I don't know if that's like a big side or what. I've I seen think their it stuff was, before. I, was it fan sided? I think it might have been. It was like a legitimate like Auburn fan site publication wrote an article about how since Gus Malzahn is probably going to get fired by UCF this year, Auburn should hire him as their offensive coordinator. That is like one of the most like 
like, I don't mean to be mean, but like that person probably needs help, right? Like that's just such a crazy, like what? Yeah, I don't know. Is that is that more? No, I don't say more likely because it's definitely not more likely. But like, is that crazier or is it like now it's the conversation again is coming back because Arkansas fired their OC. And so everyone's like, oh, if, if Arkansas fires their coach and UCF wins out, do they does Arkansas go after Gus Malzahn? I don't know how many times we have to say this because I could I actually could see even if UCF say UCF goes seven and five, I could still see Arkansas coming after Malzahn, to be honest with you. Be interesting. Um, but I, I have to say this thing again because like a lot of fans on Twitter are mad that like why won't people talk about Gus Malzahn and being fired? It's like we're not gonna have fake conversations. Like there's no I'm t- I'm not like telling you this is my opinion. There is no factual reality where he would ever be fired after the season. A, they wouldn't do it no matter what. B, it's literally a fiscal impossibility, financial impossibility. Yeah. We're not going to talk about made up conversations. It's not a variable, so we're not going to talk it's about just it. Just a waste like a of variable. time. Yeah, it's just stupid. Yeah, uh, I mean, still still seeing a lot of it on on the social medias and all of that just seems like a waste of energy, but it's when I saw like five tweets this weekend where it wasn't just people saying he should be fired. It was people saying, why aren't the media talking more about this? Cause there's nothing to talk about. It's not a thing. Yeah. You can want him fired. You can say he's deserved to be fired. It's still not possible. We're not going to talk about impossible yeah. things. <laughs> I was going to make another joke there, but I won't go ahead. Um, I don't know. I was going to make a joke. I like, thought of one too. So I'm curious if it's we the talked same about one. UCF beating Oklahoma last week, but then it wasn't almost impossible. So yeah, that's a, uh, I guess it's not, you know, it's, it's always true. Some, some, one of these angry UCF fans on Twitter could win the lottery and say, I know what I'm doing with this money. I'm paying Mahadra to buy out the contract. So yeah, you know. That'd be so funny. If the a, right person, the right person needs to win the lottery one of these days. Just for, to do something funny with it. Like, I don't know. I do something funny. I had a, I had, this is like a real conversation I had with my parents like one or two years ago where we were talking about like the lottery and all that. And like, they were saying that if they won the lottery, cause obviously like I would eventually get it. They said that like, they would have to put stipulations in their will that I couldn't <laughs> give it to UCF because they, they were that like, not even like, they were like, we know that you would just give all of that money to UCF. And I'm like, I wouldn't give all of it to UCF. Like I'd buy a really nice house and then give the rest to UCF. Like, let's not be crazy. <laughs> This is a funny conversation because it, this feels like one of the conversations you and I would have after we're done recording, but we're still yeah. recording right now. But we're just still we're just still doing it I for will, some reason. I will uh we'll wrap this thing up. Let me ask you uh, one thanks. really quick question oh, gosh, before okay. um, let what? me let me just on that. Let's say that you win the lottery and let's oversimplify it. You got exactly one hundred million dollars after taxes and all that. One hundred million dollars. You've asked me this before, I think. How much of it's going to UCF? Like immediately. Hundred I get a hundred million? Hundred million cash. Immediately? Yeah, or like how much? How much of largest, that hundred million? What's the largest gift in UCF athletics history? It's not that much. I think the largest exactly. ever was that was that scholarship thing that. that was like thirteen million, but it was like spaced out over years and it wasn't directly for athletics. Maybe initially I'm topping that, and then I'll just go back and see what what else I can do. But I just want to top it and be have my name on something, I guess. I, I think I would just sit down with Mahadra and be like, what's the minimum amount I can give to you where I have full and complete, complete control over the uniforms and whatever that amount. We've had this conversation. Was it on the podcast or was it, was it not on the podcast? Cause I think you've said that exact thing before and it might've been on the podcast. It's so. a real thing. Like I'm dead serious. We're like I'm not recycling, even joking, like, we're recycling content now. <laughs> I don't think we ever said that on the podcast. Cause I think it's Maybe an not. unhinged thing to think, but like, I've heard I truly, you say that before though. If I ever became a real time UCF booster, like I would be like the, like the boosters are always trying to trade for like power and stuff. I would really be like, I want control over the uniforms and I'll give you all this money. That's fair. Um, all right, we'll wrap it up here um, right now. And we'll be back on Saturday with episode 171 after the West Virginia game. It'll be an in-person podcast. Um, first one since... Baylor. Baylor? Yeah, oh boy. 
Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. First one since Baylor. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Keep sending us your five-star reviews and your five-star review questions. Uh, until Saturday, you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22 at by CA Simmons and at night sports. Now, thank you guys so much for being with us. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye everybody.